Behind the Shades. Hello, Ava. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for joining me today. I'm so excited, and I just can't hide it, that you're on my show today because we're going to talk about something that's very interesting and something that I've always wanted to speak about, not because, and I'm going to not expose myself here, not because I'm experiencing some of these things, wink, wink, just because from my own knowledge base, because... I think many people in relationships are going through it where they're trying to figure out and navigate their sexuality and things of that nature. So let's get right into it. But before we do so, Ava, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself and who you are? Absolutely. Uh, So yeah, my name is Ava and I'm an authentic Tantra practitioner and transformational therapist. And my job is to really take men, women, couples, Um, through the power of their own minds and healing through pleasure in order to experience more fulfillment in their lives. So when you say taking them through the experience to experience more fulfillment, let's say someone like me, who's not that I am this, but let's say someone who's very selfish and it's all about me, 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 and not about you, you, you. How would you break that down to someone like me who wants to have a better experience only for themselves, but the partner that they're with? Yeah, absolutely. Well, if I take this in in terms from the perspective of authentic Tantra, authentic Tantra methods are really for harnessing your own uh, innate power through through awareness and also through pleasure. But it also means you wanting and desiring to share those experiences with other people. And obviously, just not the sexual side of, of these things, but the overall uh, joy and, and pleasure that we're getting from a lot of these practices, it, it's, it's meant to be it's meant to be shared, it's meant to be expressed, it's meant to be a group effort, I guess you can say. Is is that difficult for the clients that you deal with to understand that it's an experience that is better shared? It really depends. I think that a lot of us hold on to these beliefs about ourselves, self-limiting beliefs. And a lot of this is due to unresolved trauma. So of course, the role of trauma is to keep us in pain. It's to disconnect us from the world and from ourselves and from the people that we love most of all. Um, so in order for us to uh, to truly connect from this authentic, loving, compassionate place, we also have to heal, right? And do you help those who are maybe experiencing this trauma that you mentioned, what's some of the ways that you can help them through their healing process to understand the trauma that is preventing them from doing certain things in regards to the tantra that you, the tantra that you teach? Absolutely. So one of the biggest things that I do is I take individuals through a method called transformational therapy. And this is, again, where we dive deeply into the subconscious mind. And it's really important to acknowledge the subconscious because it creates over 95% of our reality, which is like, that's a big number. That's a lot. 
And the only way to access the subconscious is through very deep states of relaxation and, and, you know, or deep states of meditation, which again, like we can't get to that because it's excruciating pain. <laughs> like it's very painful for us to sit down and try to meditate for hours. A lot of us actually disassociate and don't ever try it again because it's so painful. So transformational therapy is such a wonderful way for us to literally go right into that subconscious memory bank, so to say, and we get to uh, select how we want to feel and kind of edit out the ways in which they're no longer serving us. So that's a really big chunk of what I do. And then from there, I take individuals through a process of authentic Tantra so that they can start to learn how to um, harness pleasure as a mechanism for healing, healing on all levels as, as well as sexually. Where were you 10 years ago when I was dating this young lady and we needed help? And that's going to introduce me to story time. Ava, I hope you're ready. There was this young lady I was dating and she said, Terrain, the reason why you don't have children is because you have ran out of sperm. And I looked at her same way that you just looked at me. And I was like, say what? What are you talking about? <laughs> she's like, yes. Yeah. She's like, you've done it so much so selfishly that you've ran out and you don't have any children. And I wish Ava, you were around because I could have said, Hey, I need you to speak to this young blonde lady here. And can you explain to her, Ava, that she's out of her mind because I have no idea what she's talking about. So when you say transformation between two people, what would that look like if we came to, we said, Ava, we have a problem here. I can't figure it out. She can't figure it out. We need help. Help us, Ava, because we need you right now. <laughs> yeah, so um, I think that maybe that comment is is rooted in a lot of shame and, and guilt. And I think that's kind of rooted in in how we all feel about our, our sexuality in some way or another. It's it's rooted in our culture, it's rooted in society, it's rooted in religion. So um, you know, I think that some of these really big things oftentimes do come up in the bedroom that that stem out into the relationship as a whole, because let's face it, when we're not having great, loving, connective sex, it is affecting all facets of our entire lives. It affects us financially, whether you realize it or not, it affects us emotionally and mentally and, and all of these things. So um, I would say that we need to look at this perspective from a holistic view, right? And, and, and it's not just about the sex. In fact, most any sexual type of issue or sexual problem has a non-sexual solution. Um, and, you know, working through authentic Tantra, again, it's not just about these sexual aspects, but looking at ourselves from a holistic perspective, looking at ourselves as full human beings who need to experience connection above all. Right. So I think that for most couples, um, the the main issue is is connection, but it's also the thing that we're most afraid of. Um, and we all have this kind of connection survival style to one way or another, where again, connection is a thing we're all striving for, but it's the thing that we fear the most. So working through a lot of these methods, it's really to connect us to our innate self, our innate nature. Um, that has always been within us, but we have all that gunk and like shitty stuff that's getting in the way of us taking that next step forward. And I just want to mention that 
connection is, is how we start to feel more fulfilled in our lives as a whole, too. And is there a difference between how men and women would approach that connection, Eva? It really depends. I think that as individuals, we are so complex. Um, I would say that a lot of men who I've worked with definitely fear intimacy and connection um, because of different societal norms. And women are more afraid, I think, of also um, that vulnerability and allowing people to, to come in because because there's pain involved from the past. I think that plays a big part because there's sometimes where, as you mentioned, many of these issues that may come up on that level may have a non-sexual solution. Um, it could be that something that you're looking to do or get in the mood of would remind you of a past trauma or a past bad experience. Now, if I've had a bad experience and I came to you, what are some of the steps that you and I would work through to get me past that bad experience so I can move forward and be a better partner for the person that I'm with? Yeah, I think if we can elaborate on maybe what some of those bad experiences could be, I think instead of saying, you know, one experience is bad and one is good, we need, again, like if we look at it from the perspective of how you actually want to feel, I think even looking at it in a different perspective gives us, gives us a little bit more of an opportunity to go in without the shame, without the guilt, and actually start to unravel the layers that could be a result of whatever trauma or whatever belief pattern that this individual is experiencing. And trauma works in really funny ways, right? Trauma is not just about um, these big these big shock events that might have happened to us when we were younger or even in adulthood. Like, you know, I think when we think of trauma, we think of um, sexual abuse. We think of, you know, we think of, of rape or, you know, these big things that have happened. But I think that when I work with people, the most common things are these, these smaller traumas that develop over time that kind of compile upon one another. And then they start to show up in the relationship or show up in the bedroom in these ways that we cannot understand from a conscious level. Um, so again, when I work with these individuals, it's also about shifting our perspective of how we view the things that are showing up for us. Um, and again, authentic Tantra is, you know, it's not about saying that thing is bad. I shouldn't be experiencing that. I should just be able to override it. And I think we do that a lot. We say anxiety is bad. Depression is bad. Anger is bad. And instead of being able to say, no, I can harness the energy of this emotion, this infliction that I'm experiencing and actually transform it and transmute it into pure medicine, actually. And I, I, I take individuals through this process through a variety of practices and tools. Um, you know, I do practice and teach lineage-based Tantra. I do not teach um, sacred sexuality. So there's a big difference in the way that I do approach holistic sexual healing. Um, you know, one of those practices can be the Tibetan five elements. And this is an elemental system that our body is comprised of. And 
Um, it allows us to heal the energy body from the inside out. And as we know, um, you know, any type of emotion that we're experiencing, any type of illness, any type of disease is stemming from the energy body. So if we can heal and repair the energy channels, then that's going to stem out into our physical bodies and into our reality as a whole. So explain to us the Tantra that you do and the basis of it when it comes to your clients, just so we understand specifically what you're offering to the clients and how you're helping them? Yeah, I love, I love this question because um, it gives me an opportunity to bring a new perspective into the world of Tantra. So right now in the West, a lot of the Tantra that we are seeing is Neo-Tantra or sacred sexuality. And Neo-Tantra is not necessarily based in any type of lineage in particular, it can be practices and things like that are that are taken from maybe a Hindu context or a Taoist or a Taoist context. And then it's kind of compiled into um, what we see now mostly occurring in the West, which is sacred sexuality and things like that. Um, and there are really wonderful neo-sexuality or neo-tantra practitioners out there, but it's not it's it's not something that's regulated. So anyone can go to like, you know, a, like a Tantra massage workshop for three days and then they're working on clients' bodies. And I, I think that that can be really, really dangerous. And there's a lot of things that can happen within that that re-implement trauma and that are not safe. Now, working with lineage-based Tantra, which is what I practice and teach through Tibetan Buddhism, is a little bit unique to the West because... Um, a lot of the teachings that I offer my clients, you cannot find online, you can't find them um, on YouTube, you can't find them in a book, it's literally from a oral, from an oral based lineage, meaning you get the transmute or the trans, uh, the, the transformation through, through the embodiment of that practice through my own experience. So there's a relationship there between client and practitioner where there's something, there's like a alchemy, I guess you can say through, through words and through the energy that is happening, which creates a really profound experience for individuals and also a safe container because when you're practicing from lineage-based Tantra, there's already ethics and morals that are woven into the practices themselves. And you use this well, you use this method, I should say, to assist those who are experiencing sexual dysfunction as well. Absolutely. I think sexual dysfunction is at an all-time high right now, especially even in younger men. Um, and you know, before we started chatting, we did mention things like porn addiction. And I think we could get into that a little bit more from here. I think that a lot of the sexual dysfunctions that we're seeing is, is also due to a lack of sexual education and really being aware of our bodies, being able to stay present with our bodies, because let's face it, like in the, in the Western world, we're always searching for like novelty, like the next novelty, you know, whether it's binge watching Netflix or watching porn every single day, that's going to have a big effect on our brains. All the men on the 25 are like, oh, when it comes to sexual dysfunction and porn, good Lord. I used to, I can't believe I'm, 
you have me sharing all kinds of stuff today, Ava. I used to watch interviews on porn stars because I found them fascinating because I want to understand what makes them do what they do. And you begin to realize they're regular people like you and I. They're not superheroes or superheroines, but you're right. I had a friend. He was completely addicted. Hours a day on porn. And it kind of took over his life. And when you say porn addiction and sexual dysfunction, I'm guessing you're drawing a connection with it because you're always looking for that for that next hit of dopamine and you want to raise the bar and raise the bar and raise the bar. So is it something that you find is impacting younger men and women at a higher rate these days versus let's say years past? Absolutely. Because look at the type of porn that we're watching, right? So like, even as we talk about like AI, you know, like as things are becoming more realistic, right. Or the, or even the type of porn we're watching might be more, um, I don't know, like <laughs> they, throughout the years, you have to get a little bit more, uh, I don't want to say violent with the type of porn. There are some types of violent porn out there, but because of that constant dopamine hit, it's like people are getting bored of the porn that was you know, considered porn 30 years ago. Um, so again, it's, it's going back to that constant search for dopamine. And again, like, that's not, I'm not like a, I'm not anti-porn by the way, you know, I, and I, I respect sex workers. I was a sex worker myself. I was a stripper, you know, for a while. And like, there's a huge respect for that. But I think that because of the lack of sexual education that we have, when we start to get our sexual education through porn at such a young age, it's automatically starting to rewire those neural pathways to continue seeking it into adulthood. And this is, this is especially prevalent for men. Um, you know, I think that for men, I'm not trying to generalize too much here, but for men are mostly visual creatures and, you know, the brain is wired a little bit differently. So as you start, I mean, I think it's a huge number that boys are starting to watch porn, like from 10 years old, maybe younger into adulthood. So you have to think about the context of this individual who still has their brain developing and they've never received um, sexual education, like proper sexual education, like about pleasure and orgasm and not just like, okay, you do this thing and, and don't get pregnant type of shit. Right. So again, moving into adulthood, we're already, we're already suffering from this, uh, this, uh, this need for us to continue looking for that, that dopamine. And it's the only thing we're familiar with. So it's, it can be something that's very difficult to break out of. And I also believe that we should use the word addiction very uh, lightly here in the conversation, because, you know, I think that the word addiction can also imply shame and guilt. But instead, I want to empower men and women to use porn or erotica in very healthy ways um, where they're still accessing the fullest, their fullest pleasure potential. Um, and you did mention, right, how does sexual dysfunction tie into this? And again, it's, it's because, again, as we search for those constant dopamine hits and it changes the receptors in our brain, it then creates a lack of, um, 
a lack of sensation. So emotionally, we start to feel like the things in our external world no longer fulfill us. So we can become bored with the things that we once saw that were like pleasurable and fun and, you know, the things we took joy in. Um, and then on a physical level, you can start to create numbness in the, in the genitals too for watching too much porn. That's a great point you mentioned, Ava, because I remember reading something where there were people who were um, watching porn a lot and the connection that they had with themselves was very similar to that which they would have with their partner. So, for example, if I'm a single man and you're a single lady and I have a sexual appetite for porn because I believe that's a better terminology than addiction to your point. There's shame and there's guilt. So my sexual appetite is that every time at 9 p.m. I tell Ava, have a good night. I jump on my computer and I do my thing. I'm doing I'm building a connection with myself and what I see. But that's replacing the connection that maybe you and I should be developing. Is there a way to maybe, or I guess my question to you is, is that the type of imbalance that you're speaking of where the men or the women, they're more dependent on that type of erotica versus another form of it, i.e. The, the one between two people? Absolutely. Because again, like it's the only thing, if that's the thing that you're familiar with, that's the thing that your brain is going to keep seeking out in order to get that, that dopamine hit. So if we don't have that awareness going into it, it's very hard to shift those patterns. And then if we talk about terms of, you know, the, the trauma or the impact of trauma on the, on porn usage, that's really big too. A lot of men that I work with, a lot of times they, they become dependent on porn, not because the porn is fulfilling and they love it so much and they can't live without it, but because uh, there's a fear of intimacy there. There's a fear of connection and they're able to get, you know, they're able to get a certain part of that from watching porn and, you know, being able to have an orgasm, right? And that becomes easier. That becomes more novel, right? And again, our brains are like really freaking amazing because they're so intelligent, right? It's like, okay, that path is easier. I also don't have to deal with the trauma and the beliefs coming up. So I'll just do that, right? And there's, again, there's nothing wrong with that. But if we're not catching it, we're like, you know, we're, we're dependent on the porn, then basically it's like our sex lives or our sex, uh, our sexual appetites are controlling us. We're not in control of it. And we don't want that to happen, right? It's taking the power out of the situation and we don't have control at that point. How are some of the ways that you help men or even men and women? How are some of the ways that you help them overcome that? Because that seems a daunting task, especially when it's reached to the point where, as you mentioned, I'm no longer in control of it. It's controlling me. Yeah. Well, one things that I one thing that I think really perks men's ears up is the fact when I say you can experience over 10 different forms of orgasm. You've only been experiencing one of those your entire life. <laughs> so that's an incentive, right? <laughs> to explore that. Um, I teach men how to become multi-orgasmic um, and 
This in turn allows them to also experience a lot of the healing benefits of pleasure and of their sexual experience because for someone that is having sex the same way their whole lives, uh, they only know one form of orgasm, they don't feel fulfilled, right? And that fulfillment oftentimes develops into anxiety and depression and, and mental and emotional disturbance in their lives, which is affecting, right? Uh, the way that they view the world around them. So this is just how important pleasure and sex are in relationship to living a healthy life and also having a healthy, sustained mental, emotional, physical, physical self. Um, so yeah, some of the ways, again, that I work with men is for them to learn about what orgasm actually means about uh, for them, right? What does orgasm actually mean to you? What are the, the goals and desires that you actually see yourself uh, having from the sexual experiences? Because if you're, there has to be a willingness to also change. You have to jump into it saying, I'm ready to go all in, even if it's not going to be easy, because it's not just all rainbows and orgasms, but it's a healing process too. Um, but knowing that what you might be, be able to receive out of this, um, I think is, is a huge, um, is, is a really, really big thing that we can start to work towards is more connection, more joy, more pleasure. And that's what we all desire. So, um, and I work with women in a similar way. A lot of women depend on toys, for example, and, you know, they're not experiencing the full arousal process. So again, you're not going to be able to experience over 15 different forms of orgasm that women can, if you're just using the toy every single time, you know, you're not able to connect deeply to your partner if you have a partner. And all of these combinations affect us so much when it comes to our pleasure and overall uh, joy. Um, so we have to look at, again, from like this really big holistic perspective. It's raining here in Toronto, Canada. So I'm wishing for less rainbows and more orgasms. <laughs> you mentioned something that piqued my curiosity and, and I almost leapt. I want to jump out of my chair. 10 different forms of orgasms. <laughs> so have I been looking at the world one way? <laughs> So when you say 10 different forms, what can you list the different forms or can you help educate me? Because I'm really, really interested in when you said that. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, some of those can be becoming multi-orgasmic, meaning you could have um, you could have uh, climactic orgasms without ejaculation. So a big part of this for men is First, being able to slow down your sexual experience and extend it over a period of time. The second part of this is being able to separate orgasm from ejaculation, because for most men's bodies, those are two, that's, that's one thing, right? You ejaculate, and that means you're, you're having an orgasm. But in the tantric tradition, we are separating, you know, those two phases of ejaculation, which means when we do that, we have this whole span of, of, of orgasmic potential in between those two states, right? And that doesn't mean that you can never have an ejaculatory orgasm. In fact, it means that you could be experiencing even more pleasurable orgasms without the ejaculation, which means that you're also restoring and revitalizing all of that 
semen that would have otherwise been expelled. And you can now learn to transmute that through your body for the benefits of healing your entire system and, and all of the health benefits related to that. Um, so some of these different orgasms can be, um, you know, men can experience prostate orgasm. That's very, very healthy. And I know that men have, a lot of men have this, um, this thing about the anus and not being able to go near it, but <laughs> you can also stimulate the prostate uh, externally as well. So there's a lot of different types of orgasms we can experience. We can experience, men can experience blended orgasms. So you can have non-ejaculatory uh, prostate orgasm. You can have whole body orgasm. You can have energy body orgasms and the list goes on. <laughs> I think I almost shed a tear. I don't know if you caught that when you said the, the prostate orgasm. I'm like, oh, Lord, help me, please. <laughs> but you're right. You're right. There is. Um, it's so fascinating how if you if you have an open mind, and I think that's truly probably the first step. If you have an open mind, you can achieve orgasm, like you said, in so many different ways where some of those ways don't even include with you experiencing an ejaculation for men. Um, for women, do they have the same type where they can experience different types of orgasm? Yeah, so like I mentioned just a moment ago, is women can experience over 15 different forms of orgasm. So I think that for a lot of women, um, we're, we're mostly just focusing on the clit, the clitoris, the external clitoris actually. Um, for example, you know, the clitoris actually extends underneath the tissue. Um, so you have clitoral legs, clitoral bulbs that are also erectile tissue, and that can be incredibly pleasurable when stimulated externally. So we're kind of missing out on the arousal process because women take anywhere from 25 to 45 minutes to become fully engorged, fully aroused, meaning the meaning that their erectile tissue is filling with blood, right? So just like a man, when you have a, uh, an erection, it's right, your erection is filled with blood. That's erectile tissue. Women are the same exact way. And we just need time to also fill, right, and engorge that erectile tissue in order to experience sensation. So I think that a lot of times sex is rushed. And also we don't have the sexual education to learn how to stimulate different areas of the vagina, for example, in ways that also promote um, pleasure and sensation. So a big one of those is the G-spot. I I have a whole, I did a whole workshop, hour and a half workshop just on the G-spot alone. And this is an area for women that stores a lot of emotions and stores trauma. I also like to mention from a spiritual perspective in Tibetan Buddhism, we believe that we store past life memories in our genitals in our sexual center. So we're working with a lot of different components here when we talk about orgasm and pleasure. It has to be a healing process. We can't, we can't jump straight to having better orgasms without moving through this, um, you know, this, uh, this, yeah, holistic healing process as well. So again, one of those is G-spot orgasm. And the best way to uh, stimulate the G-spot is through pressure and not friction. But a lot of women fall for the belief that they're just going to buy a G-spot vibrator and they're going to be able to like, you know, have G-spot orgasms and squirt. And then when that doesn't happen, they think that something is wrong with them. 
um, and that they're broken. And it's just, you know, G-spot vibrators are, I'm sorry, they're a scam because the G-spot does not encourage, it does not fill with blood and, and you don't get a lot of sensation just from friction alone. In fact, a lot of women will say that it's painful for them. They experience a lot of irritation in that area. Um, so, you know, to experience G-spot orgasm, A-spot orgasm, P-spot orgasm, we have to know like the anatomy and how to stimulate those areas in a way that is beneficial to, to experience more pleasure and sensation. I wonder how many people will actually take the time to realize, because you have to humble yourself a little bit to say, I don't know anything. Truthfully, right? Because it's a lot more than just penal to vaginal, meaning that insert this here, thrust a couple of times, let me put on my shoes and go home and even I'll call you tomorrow morning to make sure you're okay. It's a lot more than that. It's about, I need to understand my body. You need to understand your body. And then we need to understand each other's body. Is that the form of education that you're looking to assist people with? Yes, I think you said that so beautifully. And I'm happy that you said that because pleasure is your responsibility. No one else's pleasure is your responsibility. So, you know, a lot of couples will come to me and, you know, um, I'm just going to describe more heterosexual relationships for right now, but the woman might be like, he doesn't know how to please me. I want him to learn how to please me better. Right. But what that does is it puts pressure on your partner to perform. And guess what? The most men that come to me in relationships have, feel like they're pressured to perform. And that's why they're not experiencing a lot of fulfillment in the bedroom. So there's this disconnect happening where, and we do this in our lives all the time. We say, you're responsible for this. You're responsible for that. And that's how that made me feel. You made me feel that way. When in reality, you said it so beautifully is that the whole process of holistic sexual healing is being able to take responsibility for your own pleasure, learn about your body, create a relationship and connection to your body that is beyond anything you've ever experienced. So when you invite a partner into it, even if you invite a one night stand into that shit, you are solid. You know exactly what to do because you are in control of your own pleasure. And no one can take that away from you. That's empowering. Why do we so easily give up our power is beyond me, right? It's, it's something that we need to take into consideration when we're talking about better orgasms, better sex, and to say, actually, I'm ready to take on this responsibility as my own. And I know that it might be difficult, but I'm ready for it because I'm going to come out on the other side, feeling more connected to myself, to the world around me, more fulfilled. And I'm not going to rely on anybody else to experience that. That is a very mature stance to take to say that this is my responsibility. I'm going to own it. I'm going to make sure that I experience what it is I want to experience. And I could just imagine, and maybe you, you'd be better to answer this, all that pressure in the bedroom, how many of that is the root cause of performance anxiety? I would say most of it. <laughs> <laughs> because if you're telling the person, 
I need you to do this. I need you to do this this way. It has to be done that way. At some point, you're going to buckle. You're going to be like, I don't think I can do this because the way that I thought that I can do it apparently isn't working, but the person isn't telling me what needs to be done. Is there an answer to my situation if that is my situation, Ava? Yeah, I think that the biggest thing is to look at what type of attachment styles you're taking on in the relationship. And that can give you some more clarity of maybe um, why you do certain things or act in certain patterns in relationship to what your partner is wanting from you or vice versa. And again, relationship or attachment styles are due to unresolved trauma and the beliefs that we formed about ourselves in childhood that, you know, so basically what's happening is these attachment styles that we are experiencing in our relationship um, are basically, it's, it, our brain is still functioning as like a 10-year-old, as a five-year-old, as an infant, so that kind of feel that seems kind of funny, right? Doesn't it? Because it's like I'm an adult and I I am experiencing adult pleasure in an adult relationship, yet my mind is still having the thoughts and beliefs of a five-year-old, of a 10-year-old. And that's exactly why looking into these subconscious beliefs is so incredibly potent. And the psychological components of this are are, are necessary to address because we can't just override it. So a lot of times people will come to me as well and say, you know, I just want to learn how to touch or what to say to get what I want so that I experience more pleasure in the bedroom. And it's like, okay, we can't override what I just mentioned, the, the subconscious beliefs, because what's going to happen is it creates this confliction within you. And then you're going to have more anxiety. You're going to have more depression. So people are holding on to these conflicting beliefs about themselves. They're saying, okay, I'm going to experience this in the bedroom. But your mind is like, fuck, no, you're not. You're not going to experience that. <laughs> you know, so your brain needs to be on board with your body. Your body needs to be on board with your brain. Your brain is responsible for sexual pleasure. So to look back into the, the subconscious memories, you know, for example, the most common ones are, I am not enough. I am not worthy. I'm not lovable. I don't believe love is available to me. I don't believe connection is available to me. These are all things that affect us in every single facet of how we live our lives. And what's something you would say to the young, the next generation of men and women coming up who, as we discussed today, there's more and more younger people experiencing a number of issues that's related to the bedroom. What advice would you want to give them, Ava? Mindfulness to explore, don't be afraid to explore your bodies, but, you know, also have this awareness going into sexual experiences that you are worthy of having more, that you're in control. And, you know, I know that young people out there are also experiencing less and less sex. So people are having less sex, but they're watching more porn, they're experiencing more novelty. So I think that just goes to show us the lack of connection that we are experiencing in our everyday selves. And we need to find connection. 
So whether that's in your sex life or not, connection is the antidote. Connection is the medicine. If you can call up a friend and have an authentic conversation, if you can go out there and do something new, you know, something that scares you, that is forming connection. That's allowing you to break out of this mold. Thank <laughs> you.